0: This episode of 12-Pack Radio and the extended menu of podcasts from 12-Pack Radio have been made possible by our friends at Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report. You know it. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. They've been amazing to us. We're really thankful to be able to extend the number of shows we've been able to do. If you like the show, make great calls every day and visit nextstivacom forward slash 12-pack to get started. Oh, South do Go you? Dare-
1: For 12 Pack Radio, get excited, y'all.
0: Welcome back everyone to 12 Pack Radio. Live, live from the next Steva Studios, clothing optional. Thank you for joining us here, and we are moving into week four. It's crazy. It's like week 12 or 13 on one end, and in the Pac-12, it's week four. But um, just a really, really interesting week of, of uh, Pac-12 football. Again, uh, we're your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the BetaRank College Football Statistical Model, and the home of your Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hill's Max Meyer. Thank you for joining us, especially the Washington fans. Woo! Oh, we'll get into that game. That was that was intense. Uh, nice bounce back for them. We're going to go into every game or review what happened in the previous week. We're going to preview what's going to happen, hopefully, in, uh, in the coming week and joined as always is mr rob Barron. what's going on rob
1: i'm excited to be here it was a uh it was quite an eventful week we uh we we saw oregon really really struggle on defense we saw washington not at all struggle on defense um so there's a it, it feels like the pac-12 is actually coming into this is it feels like it feels like we actually don't know a lot yet but that like it's a lot more wide open
0: yeah things are starting to settle at least a little bit i think um you know, after watching all these games, I've really been trying to like digest. Okay, what have I seen in the last three weeks? And it's kind of difficult because some teams are out. Like you know, th- like Cal. All of a sudden, you know, three starting offensive linemen aren't in the game, and Christopher Brown isn't there. And then you have a freshman quarterback out of UCLA, but UCLA still should have won that game. I mean, like, there's all this weird stuff. So it's it's really hard to balance and get a good handle on what's going on. Although I do think that there's been some stuff that has been cleared, and um, that that, have, that like with the dust settling and everything. And uh, here to break all that down with us also is from the largest sports book in the world, Mr. Max Meyer, what's going on, Max?
2: Just want to pat myself on the back for calling that Oregon uh, defensive touchdown, even though they didn't come close to covering.
0: <laughs> that was when when it happened, I didn't register because it wasn't Dorian Thompson Robinson. and then like you know, thirty minutes later, I'm like, oh yeah, that that still counts. That still counts. <laughs> um, and uh, and almost called the 200 yards on the ground from from our friends at uh, Oregon State against Cal. Although, again, that was kind of a, a, a funky finish to that game with Jamar Jefferson breaking it. We'll get into that game also. Um, thank you again for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at 12-pack radio, if you uh, and send any questions our way, you can send them over Twitter or you can send them on our uh, Gmail account, 12 radio at gmail.com. Uh, we won't have a scheme show this week. We're doing the scheme shows every other week. And if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that with uh, our friends Doug and Andrew, please do. That That was a really, really good show where they're breaking down film from different teams. And they're trying to really explain in depth what specific teams are doing. On this show, we try to go through every team and every game. And they, they really, I think, do a good job of, of really picking like three, um, three teams and one side of the ball in each team, and really getting into the weeds on that stuff. So I've been really, really excited to listen to that stuff. Uh, definitely stay tuned. With all that said, uh, let's get into it. Uh, week three. Well, let's let's go with you first, Max. What, give us three three impressions that you had generally uh, of what you saw, and then we'll get into you know the games in detail as we as we move through the podcast.
2: Um, I, I guess like number, like, it's kind of like bizarro Oregon compared to what I thought it would be early for Oregon in the season, like their offense. I mean, Chuck, Sh- Chuck, like, like makes a couple of mistakes, but I love their play calling. I love, I love how their offense looks. Uh, I thought their defense was going to be one of the best in the country and that unit has really struggled early on. And so that's been interesting to watch. Um, on the other hand I mean yes Washington give up did give up 27 points to Arizona but all of it was in garbage time like I I was that Washington's defense like and especially because against Oregon State and Oregon State I feel might is like a top 10 team in success rate I mean small sample size but uh, still impressive nonetheless with the turnover on that side of the ball like Washington's defense so far this season like they easily have, I feel like that they have the claim as the best unit in the Pac-12 offense or defense. And then USC, their most impressive performance of the year, uh, when then this was the first time that they were not a double-digit underdog. Um, and that game, for me, that game was interesting just because uh, USC actually, kind they won that game in the trenches. Like Utah's offensive line was like really overmatched and USC got like a good amount of pressure in and yeah, just an impressive performance overall in Salt Lake City.
0: Yeah, I had to go and do the, the degenerate special <laughs> because I lost the organ game and I lost, uh, I forget the, the other bet that I put I was on, on Arizona, and so I had to double dip and go in uh, on USC in the first half, and that ended up covering. Um, I You know, it'll be interesting to see what Utah is. It was early. Like you mentioned, Max, obviously the trenches were a big problem uh, for Utah, particularly on the offensive line, and it was exciting to see uh, USC put some things together. Um, I think Utah... Just based on some stuff that I saw in that game, obviously um, getting them early is a good thing. I think later on that coaching staff will likely get them up. So cheer up, Utah fans. There's more football to come. Uh, Rob, give us three, uh, you know, three general impressions that you had.
1: I think my first impression was really that, um, you know, Washington's defense really put it together and put, you know, we had sort of talked about three, you know, three great units coming into this season. Uh, Oregon's defense, USC's offense, and Washington's defense. And thus far, I got to say, I mean, USC's had their moments, but Oregon's defense, it's hard to think of any moments that they really had. Uh, And Washington really went out there, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think Arizona has a great offense, but they really shut them down. Um, in a way that they had, uh, you know, they, they struggled a little bit more with Oregon state. I think Oregon state does, you know, some of the best scheme and play calling, um, in the conference. So I, I think number one would just be, you know, Washington's defense, you know, really putting it together out there. Um, you know, that really impressed me. I do want to call out, I think even though they lost the game, I thought Cal played a lot better,
0: Yeah.
1: you know, and I think that, uh, you know, if you're a Cal fan, you should take heart. Uh, you know, people say that there are no moral victories. That's not true. There are moral victories <laughs> in advanced <laughs> statistics. <laughs> so, um, Cal, de- Cal definitely looked a lot better, um, coming into that. And then, I mean, uh, I guess my other takeaway again is like, as we're, as we're looking at even, you know, trying to live through what in theory is like the halfway should be, have been the halfway point of the season, you know, we still don't, I mean, like, we still don't know a lot about. A lot of the South, because the South has been really hit hardest so far by uh, cancellations. You know, USC has played three teams. Um, Each of them, that was the first game that they had played. Arizona State, the only game that they have played is against USC. Utah, the only game that they have played is against USC. Arizona at least also played Washington, but like, we don't even have a lot of the, what you would think of as like, and from a, like a data standpoint, like a lot of the the data connections that we would have to really be able to like evaluate some of these teams properly. Right. Like, I, I mean, thus far for, for half of the South, the only evaluation point, I mean, real evaluation point we have against them is against the Trojans. So, um, and that's tough because the Trojans have been a little over the map. So it, it I think, I feel like for being three weeks in a conference play, we, st- I still feel like I know a lot less about the South and maybe I even do about the North.
0: Yeah, the, the three things on my end would be, uh, I wanted to see if Chase Garber's, would get back to where he was he threw two picks but uh to your point rob i thought that cal as a team played better i have some questions about that defense we'll get into that when we break down that game against oregon state but it was nice to see garbers more i mean like and i kind of figured that that would happen right you don't just like decide not to remember how to play football as as a quarterback particularly if you were really solid uh the previous year i guess some quarterbacks have the yips i just didn't think that garbers was going to have them um so i thought despite the the stat sheet i i liked more what i saw out of him i I thought one of the things. was interesting is UCLA right we've been kind of burying UCLA uh, in the offseason and then coming in we weren't quite certain and with a freshman quarterback on the road against what was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the country I mean I think we're going to talk more about Oregon I guess when we break down that game because even though they won there was a lot of issues there but just to give credit to UCLA I thought that was really interesting and then the other thing too was was us going after some of the play calling at Washington, I thought that game against Oregon State was almost inexcusable in the way that uh, Donovan was was calling plays. I thought he really did an excellent job against Arizona, and we'll get into that. Um, it, and like, because I, I was really worried about the run the damn ball had, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are they just going to go turtle and like just try to shove the ball down their throat? And he called plays in a way that opened up the game for Washington that allowed them to run the ball and that is if you're a Washington fan that is exactly what you want to see so I was really really heartened by seeing uh, the play calling there and then moving over to Cal too I thought that Musgrave did a much better job kind of getting his wide receivers and spaces it is the secondary at Oregon State um, but you know you play to the opponent you had and I thought that there was definitely some improvements there Uh, so okay cool well hey let's get into uh, let's, let's break down every game. Let's preview the upcoming games here in week four, and let's do it right after this. All right.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
0: all right we're back in the next diva studios and the first game we were going to break down on the show was washington washington state and surprise like that game isn't happening and rob uh max and i were i don't know maybe we were mowing the lawn or something it didn't quite get that so so you broke the news off air so what's what's going on here with this game? By the way, we'll we'll definitely break down Washington, Arizona still in this in this, uh, you know, segment of the podcast. But um, what's going on with this game? And is there any way that Washington can get an opponent uh, this coming week?
1: So Washington State uh, did not. I mean, they, they, you know, with the late cancellation that they had against Stanford, it, it made, of course, um, you know, the their likelihood of being able to play against, um, you know, Washington this next week pretty low because almost everybody that would be out against Stanford, if they got ruled out late, you know, in this past week would be unavailable. So uh, I'm glad that the PAC 12 got out in front of it, got the early cancellation. And um, again, like, I think that that helps um, per the PAC 12, changing, you know, the, you know, the, what the conferences uh, rules were uh, on playing non-conference games this season, you know, Washington was able to to reach out. They have reached out to BYU um, BYU you know, the first reports out of this was that BYU had um, just basically said that they would not play Washington. It has been recently reported by Pete Dammell that they have um, really what they've asked for is a a contract with Washington that they would get to play Washington. That if, because that, that that Utah Arizona state game, which is now already on Sunday may also be a little tenuous. Um, So if that game were to get canceled because of COVID with ASU's program, Um, then, which is a little less, I I do think is a little less likely considering ASU would have already missed two weeks in a row. If they were, then, you know, the conference might try to put together Utah and Washington to play each other. Um, I do think that though, that with, uh, you know, for, I, I think it's reasonable for BYU to ask for that. So that's sort of where we sit is like that there's a maybe question on Washington playing BYU. I think that'd be a great game for college football. Um, you know, but I, uh, yeah, like clearly, unfortunately the apple cup right now is, is off.
0: (laughs) I kind of see this as the that always sunny in Philadelphia meme, where you know he's like pointing at the the board with all the strings going to all the places. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous uh, to see what's going on. But I'm glad yes, that Washington is trying to look for an opponent. The one the one thing that I'd add is if you're BYU and you're Zach Wilson wearing that any you know any team anywhere oh, yeah. any time hat while you're playing South Alabama or whatever the hell they're playing, and then you're like I don't know we don't want to, like maybe we just need to do a home at home like okay right, right. it's one or the other. <laughs> so so Utah fans, I saw that hat. I thought it was like ridiculous uh, given the fact that they were balking a little bit against Washington I hope that game happens because that would be um, like you mentioned Rob an amazing game for college football let's get into let's break down Washington Arizona because if you take a look at the box score and Max you had mentioned this and it will definitely start with you here uh, Washington 44 Arizona 27 but this game was over at halftime and I would argue was like over in the first quarter (laughs) like Washington so Stomped, stomped Arizona um, in the first half. I think it was 33-0 at halftime. Um, Washington torched Arizona in the short and mid-game passes. So I thought Dylan Morris um, definitely showed a little bit more. He wasn't going over the top, but he didn't need to. And I just, I just thought it was really fascinating the play calling uh, between Washington and Arizona. Obviously, if you're a Washington fan, holy goodness, like you got to come out of this game really, really excited. It's just one game. Um, you know in Arizona certainly especially up that middle with the linebackers and the safeties uh were not i mean they they're definitely missing some of those linebackers that, and players that had left for other teams because of covid but max what did you think about this game I, because i was really excited coming in i thought 11 and a half was was way too high and i thought Arizona had a chance really to keep it close and uh <laughs> it just was the exact opposite
2: yeah i mean washington like their first drive was that was that long Puka Nakua touchdown and it just like really set the tone uh, in the first three quarters. I think um, just look, just looking at the game log, like Washington uh, reached inside the Arizona forty on every single drive, and it could have it could have been even worse because they they punted once from inside the forty and they missed a field goal once from inside the forty. So it honestly like it was just like a complete outclassing uh, done by Washington and, and just like a total. 180 from how the huskies looked against oregon state like it, w- it was just incredibly impressive and i don't I, I, did we did we underrate washington did we overrate usc just with how arizona looked, like i, I guess i'm still trying to puzzle uh, those things together
0: rob i would i would put it this way in the in the beginning like everything that everything that could have gone wrong for Arizona did in that first quarter. And I thought it really put the the defense on their heels because I really liked that first series. Arizona's defense came out. um, They stopped him on third down and John Donovan ran like, you know, the run up the middle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. (laughs) Like it's the same thing we saw against Oregon state. And then they run the fake punt. And they get that yardage, yeah. they get that first down, and then they get the touchdown. And then I, I'm not sure if there was the turnover the next play after that by Arizona, but basically Arizona either went three and out and had a turnover, and back to back possessions. And then now you're asking that defense to really try to handle um, a better offensive line, um, a stable of running backs, and and Dylan Morris again like was able to open up that game just enough uh, for Arizona to really really have to respect his arm. And if you take a look at the box score, I mean, he had like 230 yards and two touchdowns. It doesn't look, it doesn't jump off the page, but if you watch that game, uh, what he was doing, getting the ball to Kate Otten, uh, to get the ball to some of his wide receivers, I thought was really, it just, it was, it was very, very encouraging. Um, I'm curious to see what happens when they play a better secondary with better personnel, because I do think there's a cap on what that, that offense can do down the field. Um, But I'm curious what you think.
1: Well, I mean, I think the the real difference here is that USC really wanted to get the ball to its wide receivers. And that was, that's actually one of the, oddly enough, Arizona's decent with its top two corners, yeah. and, um, you know, they're where they, where they really struggle. And I mean, they struggled with this last year, even with, you know, the two linebackers that were there, but I mean, Arizona came into this game with two walk-on starting a linebacker. Um, one of their starting safeties was in Tucson uh, and the backup ready short was in the game. So, you know, if you look at where Washington put the ball, even that big pass to Puka Nakua, uh, which is really a short pass on a drag route, Arizona was in zone. As soon as Nakua turned in and and ran the drag, you know, the the corner released him and apparently the linebackers didn't hear the call, Um, but he was the linebackers responsibility and they had, utterly vacated. That's, I mean, to do to, to to Washington. I, I do want to say to Donovan's credit, he recognized that there were like complete holes in the way in Arizona's coverage right up the middle. And that actually really plays into, you know, where the, you know, where some of the best talent is for this Washington team. I mean, it's just different for you. I mean, USC really wants to get the ball to its wide receivers. Um, you know, that, you know, Arizona has with Christian Roland Wallace, um, I'm forgetting the other guy's name right now, but you know, he, they have another very experienced starter out at the other corner. Um, you know, that, you know, if if you know, that is going to like you're gonna make Arizona's defense maybe look a little better than they are. Washington just exploited some horrendous personnel matchups for from the Wildcats standpoint. Like Kate Otten's a guy that's probably gonna play on Sundays. You know, some of those guys up the middle for Arizona shouldn't be playing on Saturdays. Um so I think I do like I don't want to take away from like that was good, right? Like, th- that was there. However, not at like, like, we, we, sh- like, I am not ready to put my rubber stamp on like this Washington offense is yeah. a totally different offense than we saw against Oregon State or we saw a struggle, you know? Like, I, I, I still need to see them do it against a team where the, the, the talent level isn't so starkly different, right? I mean, and, I mean, but this also is true. I mean, I, I thought Noel Mazzoni had a really bad game plan mm-hmm. on offense. Um, I thought, you know, they ran too much to the outside. They should have been patient and run up the middle in the same way that the Beavers had done. Brightwell wasn't bad when they did that. Um, but where, you know, and, and Ganell ended up keeping, he even admitted it. He had his eyes down on the pass rush in the first half. And it's really, I mean, one guy for Arizona, not that everybody else on the offensive line had a sterling game, but Peyton Fears, their right tackle. Had a nightmare of a game and ended up being replaced by a walk-on. He was playing so badly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I mean, like that. I do like. I mean, I mean, like with that. Like I just like it is. uh, I like. I I think that our takeaways from the takeaway for me for this game is like Washington's defense showed they got it right? Like that secondary, I believe it. I still think that they might be a little soft up the middle running, you know, running the football, but that takeaway is from the Oregon state game, not from this game, right? Like Arizona didn't test them enough there uh, at all. And then yes, like almost all the positives for Arizona, you know, came in, in, in garbage time. Um, You know, but like, if you're an Arizona fan, like you also shouldn't crush yourself over this, this is far and away the best defense of the pac 12 right now, you know, like uh, and, you know, the defense, which, you know, like I I will say too, I mean, like UCLA, this is not maybe the best matchup for Arizona, given that UCLA likes to run their passing game through the tight end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I, I think that, I mean, I, the t- like this was a, this, this, ma- this game did not turn on. I mean, like quiet definitely had a better scheme and a better game plan and better players on that side of the ball in particular. Um, but I thought offensively, Washington, for the most part, really just exploited the fact that they have far, far better players in some matchups.
0: Oh, ZTF was everywhere. One of the things that I, I found yeah. so impressive and also, like, nauseating if you um, if you had Arizona and maybe had some money on them was, uh, like you mentioned, they weren't, the checkdowns weren't vertical. They were horizontal. And, yeah. and UW's secondary is so they're just awesome they were all over that and, and like some of the, the you know some of the linebackers too but like you could just tell you know Ganell would do the check down you know in the flats and then boom like Washington was all over that and they kept doing it over and over and Ganell was looking for the pass downfield and Arizona's wired receivers aren't like, I mean, they, they just are no match for that secondary at all. Uh, what I was hoping would be like, there'd be some stuff in the middle, kind of similar to what Washington did, uh, you know, where Arizona was running the ball and passing the middle and trying to like pick on the, the, um, the inside linebackers who, by the way, had a really good game. I know we picked on Olaf Oshio a couple of times, but like, he certainly was right where he needed to be many times in that game. Um, so it, it was just really, it was frustrating to see the play calling. Ganell looked like, and I tweeted about this, but like, Ganell looked like when I wake up and there's no coffee, like, like you know, I'm just like, ah, like that panicked face, all like yeah. the, the entire first half, like he just was, I mean, it was that body language and the facial expressions. It just was all really, really bad. Um, and they didn't run the ball. I did think that there was there was some, uh, you know, if Mazzoni was able to change up the play calling a little bit, I think they were going to be able to, to get uh, more yards on the ground and move the ball at least a little bit. But there's no way that Ganel's thrown over the top on that secondary, particularly with the, the, the defensive line and, and the linebackers in his face the whole time. Max, you know, <laughs> what were your takeaways from Arizona? Is there anything that you can do uh, to offer some solace after that just complete ass whooping
2: yeah it's, it's just that you know a team is never as bad or as good as they looked the previous week I mean it, it's still a long season and with I mean with Arizona's schedule um, I mean they, they got the toughest parts out out of the way and and now even though granted I mean UCLA has looked better than what we thought but that's still a step down in competition to what they've played so far
0: yeah well. Uh, congratulations to Washington a really solid win I, I the one thing to to mention too and Rob I know you're like harping on the lack of talent and like then the difference between what Washington had what Arizona had uh, but good teams stop on the the teams that don't have the talent oh yeah
1: oh no like Washington put together the first dominant performance that we have seen from a Pac-12 team this year right like Washington took an inferior opponent and did not mess around um, what I want to see though is like I, I want to like I want to see their offense like have to be more, a little more diverse, have to be more crisp. Like I want to see their play calling get tested. Um, you know, I want to see them have to scheme, um, and, and execute, right. Like they didn't, I mean, Kate Otten was, you know, like 110% better than literally everyone trying to cover him. So it was, <laughs> I mean, like that is, if you got that, Don't go away from it. I mean, don't be dumb, but like, I mean, it's sort of like we, it's sort of like seeing like a really, uh, like a superior fighter, like fighting against really inferior competition. Like you're just not going to see their best stuff. Like we didn't have to see Washington, like kick it into another gear. So I kind of want to see if they can, right? Like that's, that's my only hesitation still. I want to see what this offense can do if somebody challenges them.
0: Cool. Well, if there's a Washington game uh, that happens this week, we'll we'll try to do something about it. Um, I don't know what. <laughs> it might just be me and you know who knows. Um, but if there is a game that's played, uh, we'll try to, to put something out so we can break that game down. Uh, let's move on. Oregon opens as a 12 and a half point favorite on the road against Oregon State. And let's get into this Oregon game here, Max, because uh, they played UCLA. They did win the game, so you know it's uh, win your clunkers, as our friend Dan Rubenstein will say at uh, the Solid Verbal. So you know I should we should open up by that. Um, at the same time, man, there, there was some real issues with the defense. I thought UCLA was able to do a lot of things um, on a lot of fronts with the freshman quarterback that uh, came into that game. You know, it's been interesting. I've been on the right side of these COVID. Uh, you know. Uh, players that are out uh and it, it doesn't seem to really make that much of a difference here at least it, it didn't here um al- although i would argue that last pass at halftime was uh was pretty brutal but max uh, taking a look at this oregon game uh, are, are you coming away impressed with oregon i mean certainly the offense looked good and, and what are the holes that you saw on the defense
2: well i mean UCLA was able to run the ball pretty effortlessly like i mean they averaged over five yards a carry and i, I can't even tell you the last time That I've seen in Oregon defense, especially with as much talent as they have, just looks so vulnerable. And and I mean, like Griffin, the the backup quarterback, like, like I feel like through the like he was an upgrade over DTR, but his, his like his overall line wasn't great. And I mean that that botched Hail Mary was was something for sure. But I mean UCLA with with just like all the players that they were missing on offense and the fact that they were still able to get the better end of, of Oregon's defense, which is granted they, they have a lot of departures and the Justin flow injury doesn't really help either, but they still have so much talent on that side of the ball. And I mean, the fact that you said it was able to run the ball and, and get like these, um, second and, and third mediums and mediums and shorts compared to Oregon had a tougher time running the ball. I mean, Verdell had that early fumble and, and, uh, he was basically a non-factor for the first half and, and then die, um, was, like, die was okay. Um, like, he, he didn't really, he wasn't really that big of a factor, I guess, on the ground. Uh, and and Chuck, who um, scrambling-wise or, or, or running, like, I think he was averaging like over 80 rushing yards a game uh, before this one, and, and he was even held to only 31 this game. So, I mean, I, I just, and Morehead we trust, so I'm not really concerned about Oregon's off, or rushing offense. I, I just think that um, I mean, it, I just think that it's kind of like one game. But, yeah, the defense, especially with what we were projecting, and especially the fact that, like, Avlos is such a strong defensive coordinator, like, it's definitely a little worrisome, uh, especially with how DeLora looked, with how UCLA's offense looked. And, I, I, I mean, Stanford, um, Stanford even looked, like, a little competent, but they had all those missed field goals as well.
0: Sticking with the Oregon offense for just a minute, I think like, and I thought Moorhead did some really interesting stuff yet again throughout the game. At the same time, there's a couple third and longs, like third and 13, third and 10, where I was just, and I don't know if it was Shuck or Moorhead, but one stands out for me. It was, uh, you know, Oregon was on their own 20 or something like that. And UCLA is clearly, you know, they hit the X button in Madden where it's like blitz everybody. And Shuck saw that, and Moorhead saw that, and they still ran play action. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, like, please, please do not. There's a couple of those third down plays where they really needed to move those sticks, and they either they they tried to go big a couple times and I think one of there was a lot of things and a lot of reasons that Oregon really struggled in this game I thought one of them was the lack of execution on third down where they they were calling plays that were further down that were more risky and Shuck has been able to hit some of those um, and in this game he didn't and he didn't over and over again uh, in in a number of key uh, offensive possessions and that really you know I think it put a cap on the offense. Um, Again, a lot of creative stuff, but I I just wasn't as uh, impressed on those third down calls as um, I have been. And some of the other stuff that he was able to do where he was able to put his his, uh, wide wide receivers or his his, uh, tight ends in space for them to get that third down. And here it seemed like they were kind of going all or nothing uh, a couple of times. And I thought that was interesting. Um, Rob, I know you watched this game. What are some things that stood out for you?
1: I mean, I, like, I think we really have to call out, like, I, I thought he was very good last year, but Odega for UCLA is playing even better this year. And he thus far for me is the, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I think he's been playing as the best interior defensive lineman in the pac 12. Um, like he, he was a, like, he has been impactful in every game, um, you know, a little less than like Colorado was able to run the ball, you know, pretty well against them, but he's, you know, he's been really tough. He was a, he, he was, you know, he was, you saw him again and again in this game. um And he, he really affected this Oregon offense, I think too. I mean, like they struggled to you know the strength of this UCLA defense last year was, you know, interior run, you know, they were, they were able to control that again. I And I think Oregon, you know, like, I, I think I thought they should have been able to, you know, put it together to be able to run the ball more outside. Yeah you know, they, they, they really either from like not calling it enough or not executing, like it was just, it didn't work. That said, like, I mean, more I mean, everything about this, when you watch it from an X and O's perspective and a scheme perspective, you're like, oh man, like when they have this clicking like more, like, it and it feels sometimes like they're just, you know, like just sputtering a little bit every so often that keeps them from just, you know, boat racing people. Uh, you know, with the offense, you know, and what the offense could be. And that, you know, that's really encouraging, but they also, I mean, I mean, the, their, their offensive line struggled in this game. I yeah. mean, and, uh, I would say Odega is a big part of that. You know, you flip it around. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Oregon got beat in one-on-one matchups, right? Like their guys were mostly in the right place. They just got blocked <laughs> by UCLA um, that and, and but like that that I think to me is is really interesting that, that that happened in this game. I don't I don't know what's I I don't know I don't want to draw any conclusions on it for UCLA's offense quite yet because they we have not seen them put together a truly dominant game on the ground until this one right like like all of a sudden we're like oh man. like I mean and I'm I'm not like the Cal game was yeah I was
0: you gonna know, say well, as, and the Colorado game never but-
1: happened. I mean, come on, like the cow, like, I mean,
0: like,
1: so I don't, I mean, you know, their their game against Colorado, they weren't dominant, you know, running the football. I think, you know, this game, they really did put it together, you know, but as, as we've alluded to, I mean, Oregon's defense, which we expected to be very, very good coming into this year, they've struggled in every single game you know, like they had their struggles with Stanford, you know, Stanford was able to run the ball on the more than we expected. Stanford has reverted back to form since, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and that may, it may be that Oregon just doesn't run the ball. I mean, defend the run very well right now. Um, But they, I mean, you know, Delora had a pretty good game. I thought Rolovich had, you know, a pretty good game, you know, against them too. I mean, you know, from a scheme and execution perspective for Washington state, you know, this defense just isn't intimidating at all right now. Um, I don't know. And I, I think what's tough if you're an Oregon fan is like, I don't, are there even enough games left on the schedule for them to put it together? I mean, even, is there enough time that even if they start to clean some of this up, by the time you get to the end of the year, you'd really want to see this team in the playoff.
0: The one thing that was interesting for me on the defensive front was, um, in both the, so I watched all of this, the Oregon Stanford game. I watched the full Oregon. I mean, I watched almost all of every, every game. Um, but particularly with Oregon, I had money on both the games, so I was like even more attentive to what was going on. And one of the things that stood out for me was the first half. Um, there was there were definitely struggles on on the defense, and uh, in both those games, like the, both teams were able to move the ball against Oregon. And the second half, they really cleaned stuff up. And it was interesting because I'd go back and look at the box score and I was like, oh, actually, you know, Stanford really didn't run the ball as as much as I thought that they had. Or, oh, like, actually, Washington State's offensive numbers weren't quite – because I was so focused on that first half and the second half they shored everything up. That did not happen this time. I mean, it was just kind of a problem all around. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess, Max, have you seen that trend also? And then flipping over to UCLA, what I don't want to do is, like, not talk about the fact that they almost beat Oregon. um, And they've dropped more than 30 points in the last three games. they. They, they look a lot stronger than, um, than I think we had anticipated.
2: Yeah, I mean, with, with Oregon, I, I just feel like that they're two they're, they're pretty much like two different teams, first half versus second half. And so I feel like, um, especially with Oregon State, um, like Oregon State's just a very well-coached team. And, and I don't know, like it is a rivalry game, but um, maybe maybe a possible Oregon State first half play just because Oregon is kind of like slepwalk a little bit through these first halves and with UCLA, not only like w- were they like strong like on the defensive trend but like or on the um with the offensive line and running the ball, but like defensively, like they made Oregon's offensive line for like the first time all year look like that they have five new starters, which which they do. But um no, I am just very impressed with UCLA overall. And I guess like, you, like I did um at, at least I think like I alluded on the podcast that I do I did last week that like I do think UCLA is better, but I just thought with the turnover differential, with Oregon covering the first two games, despite having a negative five turnover differential and UCLA being a turnover machine, I just I didn't see how it was going to stay close. And and even though Oregon was plus three, like just uh, major kudos to UCLA for sure for that performance.
0: Yeah, it was, it was interesting. And then to, to the defensive front, like you mentioned, uh, that front seven, four sacks, ten tackles for a loss. So they're really getting it done. Um, and they certainly had the same pressure against uh, uh Cal in the previous game. Again, some issues on Cal, obviously, with COVID, not, not all the practice and stuff, but um interesting trend that we'll definitely keep an eye on. Let's move over to Oregon State here, because they played Cal, and this game I really, it was hard for, I watched this game, it was hard to put a finger on it because when you take a look at the box score and what I was watching with my eyes, I'm like, how... How is Oregon State, like, putting up points? I, I know they got it done on the ground. I know there was some big plays by Jamar Jefferson. They ended up winning this game 31-27. to uh, I think we should start by saying there was definitely some issues, and, Max, you had changed your pick in this game uh, after – and, again, I was out, like, doing something because I get uh, something on Slack from you saying, oh, I'll, I'm taking Oregon State knowing all the, the changes – um, and I was like, what are you talking about? And three offensive linemen were out that started this game. They were out of the game. Christopher Brown was out. They also were missing, um, a starting, uh, outside linebacker. So there was definitely some, some more COVID issues that hit Cal. I thought they looked a lot better. Um, but I still think there are some issues there, but let's start with Oregon state. Cause they, uh, they're going to be playing Oregon. What, uh, what's it out for you with them, uh, and just grinding out a victory against Cal?
2: Yeah, I mean Jefferson obviously the, the big uh, the big day with 196 rushing yards. But granted, two of them were or two of those runs account for 140 yards. Uh, so, I mean he had a 75 yard touchdown run and then a 65 yard run uh, um, near the end of the game. I don't know. Oregon State's offense is interesting because like they were able to get some big plays in there, but I still really do not trust Tristan Jebia. and I would definitely argue. I mean, well Cal, Cal's offense. Um, Looked much better than they did against UCLA. Uh, the defense was pretty whatever. The special teams was an abomination. I mean, the uh, they had two special teams penalties, which wiped out Remigio, uh a long, uh, kickoff return and a punt return. Uh, they had a shanked punt that gave Oregon State uh, the ball in, inside uh, the Cal forty. Uh, Oregon State had a blocked punt at where they started the ball in the red zone. Like, yeah, Cal's special teams definitely lost them that game.
0: Mm. Jamar Jefferson, 18 for 196. Like you mentioned, the two big uh, runs on his end. Rob, you almost got your 200 yards, although they came on on junk plays. But but you had mentioned maybe uh, Jamar Jefferson might get 200 yards in this game. He's four yards short. Um, I, uh, I I'm with Max on Jebia. I mean. Yeah, yes, he had three total touchdowns. One, one that pass that weird that weird play that they ended up running uh, to get the touchdown, which I was pretty excited to see. Um, he got one on the ground and he he got one through the air. At the end of the day, though, twelve for uh, 20, 60 percent completion rate and a touchdown, two picks. So still, there are definitely some issues there. Um, what were your takeaways from Morgan State?
1: I mean, my takeaway for the Beavers was that uh, I mean they managed to win a truly weird game. Um, and as Max pointed out, like special teams played a huge you know role in this. Um, Really again for the Beavers, I mean, this was true of their game, you know, with Washington too, you know, but I, I really think that they're, they're going to have to continue to lean on the run game. I don't think Jebby has really got it. Um, You know, I mean, maybe if you're Oregon state, what you're really hoping for is he makes the same kind of real jump. Luton did, um, you know, with tutoring from Jonathan Smith from year one to year two. Um, But they, he, he really struggled in this game. Uh, you know, and I, I think their wide receivers. I mean, it's not just Jebby. I mean, I think the wide receivers also really struggled in this game. Um, Oregon State, you know, leaned in and ran the ball quite a bit, you know, more than they threw the ball uh, in the game. I think Cal, I mean.
0: They didn't have a lot I of mean, plays at all. I think they had like 40. I no. mean, like I'm exaggerating, but they, it was like almost 40 plays. The entire game is crazy.
1: Yeah, that was 51. I mean, which is not not too many at all. You're right. You know, I thought Cal. I mean, Cal had a lot, Cal had a lot more plays, a lot more first downs. You know, somewhat more yards. Uh, you know, I think the uh, I mean Garbers, as you you mentioned, like he looked a lot better, right? Like he he you know in, in the game against UCLA, he looked like he had the yips. His, his footwork wasn't quite there. He, he really settled down. Um, you know, the two interceptions are definitely there, but um, you know, I thought he played a lot better uh, in this game. I thought the, the running game was mostly there. I mean, I thought the Musgrave offense, you know, like Oregon state, isn't like the, you know, the world's greatest defense, but I thought the Musgrave offense mostly was there and worked. Um, and I thought they, they managed to be interesting and different. I mean, I, I like, I'm, I mean, like I'm definitely going to be tuning in and watching this Cal offense for sure. But you know the, the problems that we alluded to of, you know, them being able to stop the runner are, are definitely there on defense. Um, and it's hard to tell. I mean, like we, we talked about that, or, you know, Cal might take a little bit of a step back on, on defense in the secondary. I want to see them, you know, against, uh, you know, and, and this, this game, you know, that they'll have coming up um, against Stanford will definitely be a challenge where they're coming up against a, a more, you know, seasoned quarterback with some better wide receivers that will throw the ball. Um, like we'll get a really good feel. I think for Cal secondary after this game.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, being able to start working with those wide receivers, Kakoa Crawford had a good game, uh, Polk had a good game, we saw Jake Tong just uh, get nine receptions for 55 yards, including a really key one, 25 yards up the sideline, which was really important for them. Garbers, forty-eight four, uh, sorry 28-42, 315 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Um, I'm not sold, again, on that Oregon State secondary. But uh, but still, right? We like we just said this with Washington, right? You work with what you have, and uh, and they they did, and they did exactly what they were supposed to do against that secondary. Um, the one thing though, Max, is that defense, that front seven, I I'm still worried about. And wh- last week, right, the excuse was okay, you know, like they weren't able to practice as much. There were some players out, and that's still an issue, right? They're start that those wheels are starting to turn. They're starting to get it be more of a cohesive unit. With that said, um. I just didn't quite see, uh, I, I think I saw what we kind of thought was going to happen where, it, you know, they're fine, but you, you probably can run on them a little bit and they're not really that, that giant front seven that people think of, you know, two years ago with Cal. Um, I do think the secondary is pretty good though.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, the the loss of Evan Weaver I, and even with Weaver last season, like Cal really struggled to, um, to stop the run. So I mean, especially with, um, just all the lack of practices and, and I mean, and, and especially with like players, like, um, coming in and out with code, like it, it's just, it, it, it's a rough season overall and it, it, it's a season of transition for this defense. And especially with all the new coaches that they have brought in on that side of the ball. Um, and I mean, even though like defensive back coach, but losing Gerald Alexander, I, I think was absolutely monumental for this Cal defense. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we we kind of said that Cal was a little over. I mean, there was what that that, that CBS was saying that they were going to go eleven and one or something like that.
0: Yeah, and uh, who's the guy that was, that was beating the drum? There was somebody else beating the drum on on Cal, be, you know, winning the conference. And uh, but I I do think you know one of the things we did get some pushback from our listeners, and it was fair. You know, if you take a look at almost everybody else, I think the season win total and a regular season for Cal was seven. So the expectations. I think we're sky high for some people and, and a lot of people kind of saw them as a team that could be a dark horse, but it, I think it was really dependent, right? Max on, on the, on the defense being solid. Cause we, we thought the offense would be able to move. And I just, I don't know. Like, are they, I don't think that they're there. Do, do you think they're there? The defense? Yeah. The defense. No. Yeah. No. I mean, the
2: defense, it, it looks like that, you know, they're, they're still, they're still working out kinks. Like it, it doesn't look like, I mean, the, the UCLA game was just like total shell shock. And while, I mean the Oregon state was still able to get seven yards per play and granted like two of them again, like were 140 yards on two runs, but like, and, and Jebbia did struggle, but we weren't really high on him to begin with. But yeah, no, I mean, but I, Cal would have won the game if, if, if the special teams wasn't an absolute dumpster fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, So we'll keep a look on Cal still Um, just really crappy luck though. Right. Like, uh, first game against UCLA. And clearly they just weren't ready. Um, and, and I don't mean that in, in like a, a nasty way, like they just physically and mentally weren't ready because of the COVID stuff. And then you have a, a tough game against Oregon State. Let's see what happens in the uh, in the coming weeks is there are some interesting pieces on that team. But let's do our first breakdown here, Rob. We have Oregon as a 12 and a half point favorite against Oregon State. Uh, what do the advanced stats say here?
1: So, this is number 11 Oregon against number 65 Oregon State. Oregon's got a 91% win probability. Uh, and they're a 17, uh, almost 17 and a quarter point favorite in beta rank uh, coming into this game. Uh, this is really, I mean, if you look at where Oregon's offense is really humming, um, their drive efficiency numbers aren't great. They're at number 80 there. They're number 23 overall in the offense, but they're just incredibly explosive, number four in explosive drives. Not a lot of three and outs. Number twelve at negative drives. They're number one in play efficiency. I'm mean, getting a really solid yard for play. A little more effective throwing the ball than they are running the ball. I think you know their game against UCLA certainly plays into that. Oregon State's defense though, where they're actually hanging their hat is on drive efficiency. They really do need to have a long field to keep you out of the end zone. They're at number twenty three in drive efficiency, uh, where. They struggle is 101 in explosive drives, 101 in play efficiency, 125 in negative drives. Um, they're at number 95 against the run. Um, you know they and they uh, they definitely and they're at you know 69 against the pass. Um, this this is a really this is a really good matchup for Oregon. I mean, on this side of the ball, other side of the ball, you know Oregon's defense is buoyed right now by the pre, the projection that's still in there from the preseason um you know rank has them at number six their underlying numbers do not support that though they have a drive efficiency number of number two which is still really good that's an unweighted number so they are able to sort of keep teams from turning drives into points more than you'd expect however they give up a lot of big plays that turn into points explosive drives number 88 their play efficiency number is 92. And they're at one Oh four and negative drives. That is just not very good um, at all. <laughs> and then Oregon state's offense, um, you know, they're they've struggled. They're at number 69 right now. Their drive efficiency number is not particularly good. Um, they've had to rely, you know, as we saw in the Cal game and on, on bigger plays to be able to get it done, you know, the, and you know, they're at 25 in play efficiency, 57 at negative drives. They're better at 46 running the ball than they are
0: throwing the ball. That makes sense. Um, let's start with Oregon's offense against Oregon State's defense. Uh, Max, does Oregon does Oregon drop forty points on Oregon State?
2: Yeah, I actually, I, 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 I'm kind of selling high on Oregon State a little bit. Just, I mean, like they've they've obviously they've covered their past two games. They've had like a good amount of special teams luck, though. I mean, like the Washington game, obviously they had that crazy punt. <laughs> uh, Touchdown, um, and even though like Washington like struggled in that like if you take that out like Washington wins that game by double digits. Uh, the the Cal game like Cal easily lost double digit points worth um, on special team mistakes. Um, I I think Oregon State's gotten a little fortunate, and I, I just like the, the defense. Um, I, I just don't trust Oregon state's defense with all the explosive players that Oregon has. Um, I, I mean, o- Oregon might really struggle to run the ball against UCLA. I, I don't really see that being the case here against Oregon state. Yeah. I, I, th- I think Oregon drops for you.
0: Speaking of special teams, let's talk about that. Just monstrosity of a, <laughs> of an extra point attempt. Holy goodness. And I, I know that there's been some rumblings about like the, the kicking game, um, at oregon but that was like the fifth worst kick i've ever seen in a college football game like the guy missed it it was like a 30 yard you know it wasn't a chip shot but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like he was kicking it from 50 and um man he almost kicked it into the student body like on the left side if there was one it was pretty wild uh, so that that's one thing to keep keep in mind i think that oregon almost kind of has to score uh a touchdown if they you know if they're in that like whatever they call that green zone you know like 30 to you know 20 yards um you know downfield so just something to keep an eye on um i, I agree with max on that front rob I, I do think that i guess the one question would be can oregon state's front seven um confuse that starting uh, offensive line because that certainly uh, was kind of an issue with with uh with UCLA, but again, like o- Odigazua isn't on <laughs> Oregon state. Uh, they do have Hamilkar, Rashid, but he's kind of been limited th- this last uh, year. It's been interesting to, to see uh, what he's been able to do.
1: Yeah. And, and, Rashid is not, I mean, he is, you know, for all intents and purposes, you could really count him in on the defensive line. Um, But he's not, he's not literally like in the, in the thick of it in the way that you would say, you know, Odigazua always is. Um, I, I think that they're going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively. That's going to key up a lot of you know what Morad likes to do offensively. Um, I also just, I do expect them to just continue to get sharper um, you know as the season goes on. So I, I expect Oregon to be able to put up quite a few points in this game.
0: I guess the question, Max, would be, can Oregon State score enough on the ground with Jefferson uh, to to keep this game close? Um, I mean, particularly with the two stud freshmen out, um, which was really just devastating to, to watch. Those guys are going to be awesome. But um, both uh, Flo and Sewell, Nat playing. I think there were some safety uh, issues uh, this past game with Oregon. Uh, are they going to be able to stop the run? Uh,
2: I mean, Oregon Oregon's definitely had trouble stopping the run uh, in all these other games. I don't. Know, I, I just. I feel though that with with Jebbia's struggles, um, I don't know. I, I'm surprisingly like a little optimistic. Like I, I just. I, I think Oregon just runs train on Oregon State.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lay the points. Um, I'll probably put some hard earned money on this one again. I've been two and one with Oregon so far. Hopefully that ticks up to three. What about you, Rob?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take the Ducks. I mean, I think even with the struggles that they've had running, you know, stopping the run, and I think Oregon State is going to do a good enough job that they're going to be able to run the football initially. I think that Oregon can stack the rocks, uh against Jebbia and not pay a significant price for it.
0: All right. Well, Hey, we have another game that is just the, the, the point spread on this, I think is wild. Uh, and that's Colorado USC. We're going to get to it right after this. All right, we're back. We saw USC play uh their third team in a row that just started playing they played a utah and now they have colorado at home and colorado again the 2-0 start um kind of a bummer that they weren't able to play last week uh there were some rumblings that they were looking around like looking to play old miss and stuff which would have been pretty wild but that didn't quite happen um but they do have a usc team that has a little bit of momentum to them max let's talk about that game usc 33 utah 17 I thought Slovis looked really shaky in the beginning of this game. Um, he couldn't get the passes off, um, but the defense looked really solid, you know, all things considered. We can go into Utah in a minute, but what were your initial impressions about USC's performance against USC?
2: Yeah, I mean, I said on I, I picked Utah on the pod because I, was, I I thought Utah would have the edge in the trenches and that ended up being the complete opposite. I mean, U, USC's defensive front like overwhelmed Utah's offensive line. Uh, and it just seemed that Utah was never really to get. Uh, they never really got comfortable on offense, and on, on defense, I thought that. And and or I should say on offense, like Slovis definitely, he's not the Slovis of last year. But I mean, USC was still able to move the ball. Uh, no, and and it was like a, it was a balanced attack. i like uh, McCoy, Vaughn's, uh, St. Brown, London, like all got their fair share of action. Um, and I mean, with Utah, I mean, with the USC-Utah game last year, uh, Utah was just – they were overwhelmed with all of USC's talent. And, and I mean, they, they they tried man coverage, but just it didn't – Michael Pittman had an absurd game in that game, and it just did not work. And it, it just seemed like with Utah, I mean, it was their first game, but – and, and I, I, I trust the Kyle Whittingham coach team, but it USC, like I'll give them credit. Like they, they, they looked impressive.
0: And I really liked Rob the way that the the defense was able to step up I, you know going back to Slobus real fast two fumbles an interception he did he did really kind of figure it out a little bit later it was nice to see them be able to run the ball um right vivivia malapai uh six, Well, I, actually let me let me back up a little bit I think I think there were some runs that, that I liked uh, but overall 92 yeah. yards on the ground you know it's one of those things where it's like you know sometimes you see some plays like oh look at look at uh, Kristen he's looking and then you take a look he's like oh he only actually had 55 yards yards uh, <laughs> around the ground now he did he was able to to bust a, a big one there but w- with all that said um, I do think that USC was able to kind of put some stuff together uh, finally but really this story was about the defense um, going against some interesting quarterback play from Utah uh, is that what is that what your takeaway was yeah I mean
1: I, I think more than anything I, I, you know this game you know, USC ended up in this game with a, a plus three turnover advantage. I mean, Utah turned the ball over five times. So like, I don't like this game would, would have been closer if not for Utah turnovers. I mean, I still think USC probably pulled out, pulls off a squeaker, um, you know, given the play, but I mean, I don't, I don't think USC really had to be on in this game and I don't really think that they were. I mean, I thought USC was a little discombobulated at times um, and was able to really take advantage of some really just humble. I mean, they're, Bentley in particular looked like, I, mean, I think we had sort of highlighted that, you know, which Jake Bentley are we going to get? Are we going to get the Bentley that was, you know, pretty good for most of his career at South Carolina or was so bad that he got benched for a freshman and never saw the field again and then transferred to Utah? Um, you know, after Rising got hurt, you know, and Rising, you know, didn't cover himself with glory either. I mean, he had one of those picks, you know, it was only three of six. Uh, rising, you know, is, 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 I mean, Bentley looked pretty mobile on a little scamper that he had, but rising is definitely the more mobile of the quarterbacks. Um, and, and could have, or should have been a, uh, you know, a, you know, a factor running the ball, you know, that could have perhaps helped out the Utah offense, um, their offensive line. I know a lot of Utah fans, like they're talking about, like in the same way that Cal did with some of the like fans with like, you know, the COVID issues, um, you know, the, the offensive line. I don't know that I expected them to actually be a lot better than they were. We knew with Zach Moss on that they were going to struggle to run the football effectively. Um, I don't know that you're, they're going to run into, you know, like amazing talent out there, uh, you know, on the, on the defensive line, like, you know, USC does have, you know, at least in, you know, Jackson, but at the flip side, I mean, we've already talked about our you know, I think Arizona's got a couple of grad transfers in that are better you know, like I, I think that part for Utah, like they're, they're going to have to figure out more offensively than they, they, like they came out of this, I think with, I mean, some really significant questions on the offensive side of the football, I thought defensively they were okay. I mean, I, you know, and I, and I mean that in like a good way. I thought they were on the the sunny side of, okay. You know, like I thought at times they got, you know, they, they struggled to get pressure on Slovis. That was certainly true. Um, you know, even when they were rushing, you know, for, you know, like, a, and even five, sometimes they were struggling to get to him. Um, I thought the coverage was, you know, wasn't bad. You know, they certainly weren't, this certainly isn't last year's unit where you could go man a lot. Um, you know, like they, they, you know, they, they have some work to do, I think ahead of them, but I, I you know, with, with all of that, with all of those struggles, I mean, USC didn't have to put together a complete game against Utah because Utah gifted them the game in a lot of ways. I mean, I just – I feel like USC won a really sloppy game.
0: Yeah, one of the interesting things was, like you mentioned, the running game for Utah, uh, only 122 yards on the ground. And I know they were really trying to get that freshman going. Um, Ty Jordan, he was 7 for 32. You know, Wilmore, Brumfield, none of them – I mean, and I think that their running game will incre- – like, again, we've talked about this with Utah – you want to get Utah early. It's later. The problem is there's like four weeks left. Um, So it kind of is what it is. If you're Utah, I do think that there's some interesting pieces there on the ground, Uh, but the offensive line was an issue. Like you mentioned, uh, Rob three sacks, 10 tackles for a loss given up um, by Utah. Um, one thing to shout out to nephi sewell who had himself a pretty good game T- the defensive touchdown interception and 10 tackles so uh, another member i think of the sewell family we'll have to, to double check on that but as i just we saw brian thompson have about 50 yards um, 10 receivers caught a pass but i do think that this story was really about a limited um, passing game from utah and usc taking advantage their front seven um, was able to to kind of get in that backfield and just cause some problems so Uh, I mean, if your takeaways from Utah, I don't like uh, they didn't impress in the areas where we thought they would take a step back. Um, But it is the first game. And normally those Utah teams tend to get a little bit better over time, I guess, moving more towards uh, USC because they have Colorado now. And I thought this was kind of like a nice uh, pick me up for USC, you know, playing a team that clearly uh, has some rust on it. Now they get a Colorado team that's had two games under their belt. Um, I think that front seven is actually pretty interesting here, Max. I'm I'm curious what you think about the matchup. The The line here is Colorado is a 12 and a half point underdog um, against USC. And that's a lot of points for Clay Helton.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I am. Not, I was fooled once uh, with the Arizona game with um, taking, at least on this podcast, Clay Helton as a double digit favorite. I'm not making that mistake again, as much as I bashed Colorado during the offseason. I don't know, like just for me, and it's not even that I, I I still think Colorado is pretty whatever, but USC is just it's they're way too inconsistent of a team um, to be laying the, those types of points with, and I don't even like the granted completely different Colorado team last year compared to this year, but I like that Boulder game like USC was on a Friday night and that Colorado team was missing so much and USC should have rolled that game and, and USC could have lost like they were very close to losing that game so yeah i just i, I don't trust USC as a double digit favorite
0: yeah rob what are the uh what do the numbers say here because uh, i'm just really curious this line popped and i thought i mean i guess the one thing would be is colorado's secondary good um i don't know the answer to that i think the answer is probably no um or or they're not i would say they're not <laughs> yeah. they're not great i would put it that way um, but I do think they're going to be able to stop the run. Um, what do what the, the advanced stats say?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's USC as it comes in at 39, Colorado at 66. Uh, USC's got a 78% win probability and an 8.5 point favorite in beta rank. Um, and beta rank was close on, on some of these games, uh, you know, on the opening, like that Oregon-Oregon State game opened close. Uh, you know, Washington-Washington State opened. At, that was at seven points. You know, this game, I was, I was a little surprised to see USC as heavy of a favorite as they are uh, coming into this. Because their underlying metrics without the preseason projection weight in there just are, are not very good.
0: Hmm. What, like, so what's, I'm curious, USC's offense against Colorado's defense, how those numbers shake out.
1: So this is uh, the number 30 offense right now. Uh, and these numbers are weighted. These overall numbers are against the number 66 defense at beta rank. Uh, USC's underlying numbers, though, don't support a 30 ranking. Uh, they're at 122 in drive efficiency, just not really good at putting together long drives. They make it up a little bit with explosive drives, number 65 there, um, 94 in play efficiency. Their number at 76 in negative drives. I mean, just too many three and outs, too many you know turnovers for this USC team. Uh, Colorado's at 66. Like I said. Uh, their underlying numbers, uh, you know, might put them pretty close to that. Uh, you know, number 40 and drive efficiency, 60 and explosive drives. They really do struggle with play efficiency right now. Um, but decent, I mean, decent at, at negative drives, number 57 there. Um, I, I think that this, you know, this Colorado defense, um, is improving, uh, I mean a little bit, but I, you know, I, I, like you said, like, I, I don't know that they've really been tested, you know, against somebody throwing the ball yet. Like they're going to be tested against USC. Although my concern is with this and, uh, you know, like you guys, uh, I feel like, you, I mean, you guys watch the same games I do and listen to the announcers like, clam- I mean, everyone in the world is clamoring for USC to run the ball more when the problem is not USC's scheme, running the football. The problem is USC's offensive line running the football <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, no, Throw run the ball le- like like literally run the ball last <laughs> <less laughs> because you're bad at it like it's not a matter of like not calling it it's just it's a matter that they don't block it very well.
0: No, I I totally agree with you on that front. Um, so Max, if we're, if we're taking a look at USC's passing attack against Colorado's secondary, I know like that secondary I want to see they got um you know they got Davis Mills, but they got Davis Mills or was it Jack West who was the quarterback in that season game?
2: um davis mills
0: it was mills yeah so it was his first game back i think he's gonna bounce back but i was like i did think they did a pretty good job you know capping what he was able to do um through the air Uh, how many how many points do you think usc can put up on colorado
2: i would say like around like 31 to 35 i feel
0: 31 to 35 okay um and I guess then, it, then it's USC's defense because uh, what's that? What's that? What are the run numbers there, Rob? Because I think that's going to be the issue. Like Noyer, Noyer is a great story, um, and I think right. I think he's fi- I think he's fine. Like right, and that's what you. If you're a Colorado fan, you're getting exactly what Sam Noyer is right now. I think you, that's a that's a big win. Um, but I really think the the challenge here is going to be can colorado run on usc and i think the answer is yes but what, what's their run defense uh split
1: so they their run pass split right now they're at 50 on defense a 66 an effective rush 35 an effective pass yeah. um you know i mean like you know arizona state ran the ball more effectively than they did i mean you know in, in this game in particular if you're usc like i mean what is usc's bugaboo right like uh, orlando's playing likes to play man um, and if you have a quarterback that can run the football and ding ding ding, what is Neuer like to do? <laughs> like you know, like that that I think is a is a big watch out for me. I mean, if USC comes into this game and doesn't immediately have a spy on Neuer or a plan to play more zone, like you know, like I, I feel like Colorado could actually put up some big plays, but this Colorado offense, like they're at seventy in beta rank right now. You know, some of their numbers underneath that are a lot better, but they're all in a particular area. Like their drive efficiency numbers stink. Like they don't put together long drives for points very well. They are really reliant on big plays. They're number nine in explosive drive. So if you're USC, you know, like you just, like you have to buckle down say, t- I mean, like, I also feel like this is like the Chiaverini. Like I feel like we, I don't know, like in the past, like when, like when they had that run with Chiaverini, you know, in that early part of the season and they were successful, they were really a very explosive offense. And then teams figured out how to take that away. And then Colorado struggled to put together, like, you know, to put together with, you know, points without that on the table. Um, No one's taken that. I mean, they've only played two games. It's yet to be taken away by anyone, their ability to put up big plays. Um, You know, is USC the defense to do it that I don't know, but you know, I, I, I think, you know, on, on paper, it's It's not the worst matchup for Colorados I mean like I really like if Neuer has himself a big game with his feet like I, I think that they make this really close.
0: yeah what's uh, what's USC's explosive drive uh, defensive metric? Where are they ranked?
1: Uh, it's at 62.
0: okay yeah huh. um, I'll take the points uh, 12 and a half I, I, this number came out and I was uh, I was surprised and uh, I will likely take a take a gander here and see see where it goes. Uh, do you agree, Max?
2: uh i wouldn't say i was surprised but i'll take the points
0: okay and uh, how about you rob yeah i'll I'll take the buffs here okay um let's move on here we have three more games and we've gone through all these teams now so we can just go down straight to matchups let's open up with i kind of want to do utah arizona state but that game is yet to be determined (laughs) whether it's happening so let's go um let's go stanford cal stanford is a three-point dog on the road in Berkeley? One o'clock p.m. is uh, is the time for that game. And uh, Rob, what do we got here with the numbers?
1: So this game right now, it is a number thirty-seven Cal against number fifty-four Stanford. Cal's got a seventy percent win probability, and they're about a six-point favorite in Beta Rank. It's uh, you know, and right now it's you know Stanford's offense sits at thirty-five. Um, Cal's defense is at 47. Um, you know, where Cal, you know, Stanford's offense really excels thus far is in drive efficiency, number 23, putting together long drives for points and negative drives, avoiding, you know, uh, avoiding going three and out. Um, where they struggle thus far is explosive drives. I mean, 104 up to this point. They're really a lot, I mean, unsurprisingly, a lot better throwing the ball, number 15 versus number 91 running it. Um, Cal's pretty balanced. Uh, In a lot of ways, they're 27 in effective rush, 21 in effective pass. Um, Their drive efficiency number is pretty solid, but they really struggle containing big plays, Um, you know, as we saw in in that Oregon State game um, and and on negative drives. I mean, they don't force enough three and outs really um, up to this point. I mean, Cal is, I mean, I don't feel like I've got a great handle on the Bears yet, uh, Uh, even on this side of the ball. Then on the other side, it's you know, the number forty-two offense uh for Cal against the number sixty four defense for Stanford. Um Stanford's defensive metrics really are are you know kind of in the bad range. Number eighty-nine in drive efficiency, number ninety-seven in explosive drives. They are at number six in play efficiency, uh, you know, at containing yards per play, but number three in negative dri- or thirty-four in negative drives, um, you know, their their number there in particular stands out. They're a little better at forcing three and outs. So they have a really Really big run pass split right now. They're at twenty-seven in effective rush, a hundred in effective pass. You can throw on the Stanford team. Um and that this Cal offense suddenly looks like they can throw the ball a little bit more. They've got their own run pass split, twenty-eight in effective pass, seventy-eight in effective rush. Um, their drive efficiency number is pretty good. So uh at number eight in drive efficiency. Cal, you know, in particular, you know, in that Oregon State game, they were able to drive down the field. It was it was Im- more impressive to see that kind of execution for them.
0: Yeah, Max, I was bummed that the Stanford-Wazoo game di- uh, didn't happen. Uh, I really thought that that was a buy-low moment uh, for Stanford. Are you still on that train now that they're playing a Cal team that, you know, Im- improved week over week?
2: Uh, if I'm getting – well, uh, it, it kind of – just because it, obviously it's 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 Stanford coming off a of buy. Um, but I, don't, I just feel like that Stanford, they, they have a few games under their belt. Uh, Cal obviously has two games under their belt. Like, this is a big game for both of them. So I I don't necessarily think that it's a buy-low spot for Stanford just because, like, it's buy-low spot. This game is a buy-low spot. So it's kind of like it's two teams that have disappointed. I just, I don't know, at at the field goal, like, I think that this game is, 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 like, I think this game is more of a coin flip than what beta rank is suggesting. And even though Stanford is... Oh, and two against the spread. I don't know. I, I, just, I, I like, I like Davis mills. Um, I like Stanford's weapons and I think that they can get the better end of Cal's defense. Um, I actually, I, I don't know. I I wonder what the over is for this game. I feel like that. The, I feel like that, 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 points could be scored here. I feel like Cal is an over team actually, just because the market like the the Cal Oregon state total was like at 46 and a half. And I, I just, I feel like the market hasn't quite adjusted yet. Or maybe they have after this past game that Cal's defense is just really like not good.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Like I kind of want to take Stanford, but that, that Stanford secondary against chase Garbers. And, and look, I, I, I'm not as big of a fan of the wide receivers for Cal, but like, they're you know like they're not terrible, um, and and you have Tongas and a couple other people out there. So I, I, I guess I'm, I might be talking myself into Stanford because um, I don't know like I, I just I feel like that maybe the talent isn't is is uh, stark in terms of challenging that really bad secondary for Stanford Rob because uh, I do think that Stanford will probably I mean it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, again the three starters out. Last week, are able to come back and be fresh and ready to go, um, and whether or not we see Christopher Brown, I think that gives the edge to Stanford against the Cal team that seems to still be pu- putting things together with uh, uh, not a full team yet. I don't know. Does that does that make any sense?
1: I mean, it is sort of hard. To, I mean, the hard part for me in this, I mean, I, I feel like we really could have we really could have used to see Stanford <laughs> play Washington State because yeah. I don't think Mills was super sharp, um, you know, against Colorado. Uh, and he didn't, we didn't get to see him play against Oregon. Um, you know, and I, I, I think the Stanford offense, when they're not playing the ducks who apparently are a sieve against the run, uh, is, you know, they're going to have to throw the ball. So that means Mills is going to have to be sharp. They're going to have to be on. Um, I don't know. I mean, yes, I, I I think Stanford's offense, if they're clicking is going to be able to, you know, um, you know, Keep them in this game. I I agree with Max. I think it's I I could see this being closer than Beta Rank has it right now. There's still there's for both of these teams. There's just a ton of preseason weight still in this, Um, right? And uh, the uh, but if you flip it around, like you also feel like have we do we really feel like we've got a good grasp on this team? Should we have less preseason weight in there? Um, I don't know. I mean it's, this is a tough, this is a tough one. I will say, I did feel like Cal played a lot better against Oregon state uh, and started to put it together a little bit more. I saw enough out of their, you know, out of Garbers and their wide receivers and the offensive scheme of Blake, Allen like to really have confidence that they're I mean, that Stanford defense is bad. It's not going to get any better. I don't think that secondary is going to get a lot better. I mean, I I, th- I think Cal's going to be able to move the football through the air. So I I think I'll take Cal here.
0: All right. I'll take Stanford. I'll take the three. I do think that they'll be able to run the ball. I know they haven't been great, but they, they were able to move the ball against uh, Oregon, like you mentioned. Maybe not the best uh, front seven in the world, um, which is such so freaking bizarre to say, I guess, in terms of stopping the run. Um, but but they were able to, I thought it was kind of impressive what they did. I thought that they were definitely bottled up by Colorado. But um, that front seven, I think we've talked about, it, is, is actually pretty good. Um, I think they'll be able to score on the ground. I think they'll be able to score through the air um and and i i like what max is saying with that over that would be really interesting so we'll take a look at that um i'll take the points and i'll take stanford how about you max
2: yeah I'll, i'm gonna take the points here with stanford
0: all right two more games here we'll get to them right after this all right we're back let's go to let's go to westwood be- i love westwood by the way it's just a beautiful area um where arizona is going to be on the road challenging USC. I'm sorry, UCLA. Arizona um, opened. I think it was at like an 11 point favorite. It's down to nine and a half. I'm sorry, 11 point dog. That is down to nine and a half now. Where Arizona is a nine and a half point underdog on the road at UCLA. And um, yeah. man, talking about polar opposites, Rob. When it, all right, let's go with you, Max. So we polar opposites. Um, Arizona's performance against uh, Washington uh, compared to their performance against USC. Uh, I still like, is UCLA good? Like what, what do we, what do we think about UCLA?
2: I think UCLA is not bad, but I think them laying down near double digits is, is still a little too much of an overreaction.
0: Okay. Um, what, what, what are you going to be keeping an eye on uh, here in this game? Like what do you, what do you think is going to decide whether or not Arizona is going to be able to keep the game close?
2: Whether Dorian Thompson Robinson's back at quarterback. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So do you, you think Griffin was significantly better than DTR? And I agree with you. Actually, I'm just curious what you think.
2: I wouldn't say significantly better, but I was definitely encouraged by the fact that like he's a freshman and, and he looked competent out there.
0: Well, what else? What else would you be keeping an eye on for? Um, I guess
2: like with Arizona, I mean Arizona's offense, like they looked fine against USC's defense. I just think that they they went they went into like a chainsaw against Washington's defense. And while UCLA's defense, um, UCLA's defense, like they've been a little unlucky with, with um, turnovers and and, um, put sometimes the field position that the opposing offenses start out in, but it's still a unit coached by Jerry Azanaro, And so, you know, I I just think like Arizona got outclassed against Washington and, and that's okay. But a team is not as bad as they looked the previous week, and a team is not as good as they also looked the previous week. So, for me, I just I think it's I think it's a little crazy that UCLA is nearly a double-digit favorite.
0: The thing that worries me here, Rob, is UCLA's ability to move the ball on the ground, um, and and Chip Kelly's willingness to just to, to be kind of creative. I think like he's been a little bit more creative this year. Um, and, and I do think they're going to attack what Washington attacked, which is right up that middle. Are they going to be able to get yards? And I think that they are. So I think it might be a question of whether or not Arizona is going to be able to score on UCLA's defense. So I guess let's start there because I think that's probably going to be the key to the game because I think Arizona probably gives up at least 28 points here. Um, are they going to be able to match that, um, through the air or on the ground? Uh, what, what's that split between UCLA's defense and Arizona's offense?
1: So, the rank has this a little bit closer. They've got UCLA at 55, Arizona at 78. UCLA with a 78% win probability and eight and a half, uh, you know, point favorite. But uh, you know, the matchup here, you know, again, a lot of preseason weight still in for both of these teams. Uh, Arizona comes in at 68. They are 44 in effective pass, 88 in effective rush uh, right now. Um, UCLA's defense still like they're they're not great against the pass. They come in at 71 overall their underlying metrics are a lot better minus negative drives. Um, you know, so this could be a, you know, an opportunity for them that they, you know, they, they could be improved, but they are, you know, 59 in effective rush, 86 in effective pass. I just, I mean, I, I think thus far Arizona's played, you know, with maybe the exception if they get Utah later on and Utah will have had some time to break it in. They played the best secondaries. They're going to play by far, right? Like you see, USC even has a pretty good secondary. And they came in with a game plan to put safeties over uh, Curry and joiner. Um, and it worked to mostly X them out to the game. And then, you know, Arizona had to run through because Castile and Dixon were out, you know, like their fourth and fifth wide receivers and they made it work. Um, you know, that's, that's, and then of course, like Washington is Washington with their secondary. <laughs> but, you know, I think that Arizona is going to, I think Arizona is going to be able to throw the ball very effectively here. Uh, I do. Th- the question I have actually in this game is, is Arizona going to be able to handle Odigazua? Yeah. Um, and what is, what is, it seems like, I mean, and he's, he's a big part of it. Like the disruptive pass rush that UCLA might be able to put together a little bit. I mean, I really, I mean, they really, really struggled against Washington more, much more on the offensive line than they did against USC. Um, I think if the offensive line holds up and I, I do think that they will, Um, then I think Arizona has a fine game. Um, I think Mazzoni, his preference is to run outside anyway, as we saw in the Washington
0: game,
1: (laughs) (laughs) even when you should run inside. Um, but it's the exact opposite here. Like against UCLA, like you should not run inside. Like you should run outside as much as you can, if you're going to run the football. Um, I I think that, you know, I I think Arizona is probably going to be able to keep this very close against, uh, UCLA. Um, you know, and, and like, you know, barring some turnovers at a disaster, they should have a shot to win it. What?
0: Uh, hmm, wh- I'm just curious. Go, can you go through UCLA's, uh, run pass split on defense again? I'm just really curious what they're able to bring. Yeah. The so the run
1: pass but they're at 59 in effective rush. They're at 86 in effective pass. I think their um, run defense is actually better than that. Yeah. Um, right now. And, and they're getting held back by a little bit of the preseason weight, but their past defense, I don't think is I don't think is great still.
0: Mm. This one's tough. I mean, nine and a half. I mean, I I can definitely see a scenario where, which is so bizarre from where we started, where UCLA, um, handily beats Arizona. They're just able to move the ball and they're disrupting Ganell in the backfields. And I don't know if he can now. Like, I, I, here's another question for you, Rob, because uh, you watched the whole and God bless you for this. You watched the whole Arizona Washington game. I flipped over after the third quarter. I'm like, I'm out (laughs) like USC and Utah's on. I know you watched a lot of that garbage time. One of the criticisms for Ganel on paper has been by people that like, aren't fans of Ganel is he can't really throw over the top. Was he able to do that? Um,
1: Yeah, that's, that's a dumb, (laughs) that's a dumb criticism. Like last to last year, Ganel had some footwork issues, right? Um, as, as we covered with day, you know, like he was not getting the, you know, his base really into his throws he had against USC. He had that, um, you know, that fade, that out route to, uh, Major Wright, on uh, which was 17 yards down the field and he nailed it. Um, he had a great, he had a, and then of course he had like the bomb to counting hand, which hit him, you know, right on the numbers in stride. <laughs> um, he could put it on a line. He had a great throw to Barry Hill. I mean, I, like, I don't want to, like, I, I know a lot of Washington fan, like we I mean, it was fully on was garbage time. However, like Washington's got enough depth in their secondary that I like, you know, like it's not, it's not the end of the world to be able to put up points. If you're Arizona against Washington's second string, cause Washington's first string is so good. Um, I yeah and like Gannell like did was able to you know put the ball down the field, fit it into some pockets. I thought he did a good job. Like and I think he's going to be able to, um you know take the top off of this UCLA defense for sure. Like I mean they weren't able to really against uh, UCLA uh, USC because SC was covering Joiner and um you know they had them bracketed with uh you know the safeties over the top, um, and that left you with Barry Hill and Cunningham really as your wide receivers. Um, you know, to cover like, and you saw like the, them shift, like even when Wright came in the game for that one pass at X and, and, and Curry went out, you know, USC left him in single coverage because it was a, the play design was not to, you know, USC's design was not to cover the X receiver with the, the safety over. It was to cover Curry and take him away. Um, you know, not that I think Curry has demonstrated that on the field yet. They just, I think USC just looked at it as like, let's make him go through the small guys and see if that works. Um I don't think UCLA has that, you know, real ability to be able to do that. I think Ganell's going to be able to deal in this game if he has time.
0: All right. I'm going to begrudgingly take Arizona. Um, I think that the line's probably pumped up a little bit from that Oregon game. Um, You know, they've they've already lost one uh, against Colorado. You know, they whooped up on Cal, but I don't know about Cal. Um, So I'll I'll take the points. I'll take the nine and a half. Uh, It sounds like you're doing the same, Max? Yep. Points. All right. How about you, Rob?
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take Arizona here. I mean, especially if, if DTR can't go because of contact tracing, like I think Griffins is fine. I think they're both still turnover machines. So.
0: All right. So we were thinking about doing Utah, Arizona state, but there are already some rumblings. I mean, this is all in real time. Uh, <laughs> That it may or may not be actually Washington preparing for Utah. We don't know which Arizona State players are going to be in the game. This is not this is not a uh, a sign of disrespect towards the Sun Devils. In fact, I'm really really excited. I I want to see Arizona State play again after what they were able to do. Um, I just think they're just such a an interesting team uh, to watch. But it seems like we may have to to wait, and I am uncertain what's going on there. So if there is a game, another Pac-12 game, we will release something uh, this week that covers it. But let's. Let's wrap it up there. Thanks for tuning in. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. Uh, Max, you got anything going on? What, what pieces, any pieces you want to, uh, you know, talk about, or what are you doing right now? At William Hill,
2: yeah, it's just it's really a lot of football. But I'm this week, just with college basketball starting, like I'll be uh, pulling the data from all the college basketball title futures and seeing. Which teams are getting the majority of the bets, and seeing like um, if there's been any uh, notable wagers on long shots, and 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 just the whole college basketball preview besides the typical NFL and college football stuff.
0: Right on, and I know that we have the Gonzaga Kansas game on uh, on Thanksgiving, so college basketball is coming in full swing now. Looking forward to that, Rob. What, what are we doing over at Sharp College? Fo- oh my gosh, I can't even talk. It's it's been late, Rob. What are we doing at Sharp College football right now?
1: I mean, we're still doing the Saturday six and that's, uh, that's got a steady fan base that's, uh, that's growing. And, um, you know, I, I, if you're interested, I get the numbers up usually around, uh, you know, t- before 10 AM, usually before 9 AM every Sunday morning. Um, yeah. And, and beta has been doing pretty, I mean, like it's, it's like the, I mean, I'll caution you if you look at them, the numbers are not designed necessarily to be looking across conference. We don't really have any non-conference games to wait that by. Um, but it's doing really well, uh, at picking the games of course, that are taking place in conference.
0: Nice. Yeah. I, I know that like for people that are listening, uh, we always call Week Six Beta Rank Day because it's basically like gone through all of the matchups against the matchups, you know, because all the non-conference games, and then you get some of the conference stuff in. So I'm so bummed that we don't have that this this year because that would have been like, I just really think that that the really model starts humming. Um, and it's really fun. Like it's nice to be able to lock in things without the preseason data and all that stuff. And um, it is what it is, it, but they, the numbers are still very helpful. So um, yeah, check in for the Saturday six uh, on YouTube and are you doing the stuff on Twitter too? I, I, Uh, like through periscope yeah okay because i've uh, been able to tune it a couple times that way um all right cool well we will catch everybody next week and um uh, again if there's one more game we'll we will cover that um stay tuned next week for our scheme show and for our uh, obviously normal breakdown and uh looking forward to seeing what happens in the in the coming saturday